Welcome to the Getting Weird Podcast. I'm Christine. And I'm Daria. And today we're going to be talking about nostril breathing and mewing. So I'm excited for this conversation. What have you been up to, Daria? Should we check in? Yeah. um, Let's see. I have been just kind of working on business stuff and trying to find new creative ways to market in this new environment because, you know, both you and I work with people in person. And so a lot of our marketing is like, you know, you go talk to people or you teach workshops and classes and there's just not much opportunity for that. So just kind of having to be a little more creative. Um, So that's something I've been playing with. And yeah, I'm. Uh, Are you wearing excited. a GPS watch? I am. Is that new? Uh, no, I've had it for a while, but oh. I like it. Yeah, it tells me, somehow it tells me when I'm stressed or not, but I don't know how it knows that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it tells me all kinds of things. Like I'll be hiking or something, and I'll just say, You've reached your goal of 10 flights of stairs, but I never set that goal so it just makes arbitrary goals for me which is fine (laughs) yeah my um my aura ring does the same thing it every morning it's like different it's like you need to walk 6.8 miles today and then some days it's like you need to walk 3.5 miles um where did where is this what is this based on yeah it's making all these i don't i don't know i don't know how accurate it is because i don't wear it when i sleep and i don't know if like what you're if it goes off your heart rate or something, but, uh, yeah, I like it. It's good for, for running because then I don't have to bring my phone. I can just see how far I went. That's cool. You've been running a lot. Yes. I've been kind of doing less this week because I'm going to do a big run this weekend. Um, I was going to do the skyline traverse, Oh, nice. But I decided not to because you have to like shuttle cars. So I'm just going to do like half of it and do an out and back. Hey, do you carry, um, do you carry anything like a weapon, pepper spray, anything like that when you run? No, but I heard about that lady who got attacked. Yeah. On Walker Ranch. And I go by myself to Walker Ranch all the time to fish. I mean, I was thinking about it. I'm like, Well, at least I'm wearing waders when I fish. It's probably really hard to get sexually assaulted wearing waders. But I go up there by myself all the time. Of course, I usually take bear spray. But I don't know if this woman, if she had bear, if she had any kind of anything or what the whole deal was. I mean, usually you don't hike with, you know, self-defense items. But so do you know, because I couldn't figure out, they didn't say anything of what happened. They just said, a woman got assaulted in the Walker trail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all I know too. I don't know what the details are of what happened, that, but um, it sucks either way, even if it was just something mild, like that's so creepy. Cause it's just, I think about how often I go trail running, you know, and I'm yeah, super creepy trying to go places where, you know, there's not as much, not as many people so I can reduce my exposure and everything. So I try to go to the, you know, go early morning, 
you know, to a less populated trail, but it's super creepy. Yeah. I just hate that. I know creeps are everywhere. You can't, you can't even avoid them out in nature anymore, which is a bummer. But when I run, I do usually take some form of pepper spray and, and it's usually for, for animals. Um, I remember several years ago, I was running with my dog and my dog got attacked by another dog that was off leash. My dog was on leash. And um, since then I just started carrying more like canine pepper spray. But I was like, oh, this is great because this works on people too. So it's small, it's just good. You can like, if you have a little zipper pocket, you know, it's, it's, you can just put it in your, in your pocket. It's just good to carry. All those single ladies out there who like to, to hike and be in nature alone, just, just take, take a little something just in case, because there are those like wilderness savvy freaking serial killers and assaulters and <laughs> you never know. Yeah, I guess you never know. I know. It's so annoying. Eye roll. Yeah. Well, it is good to be prepared and yeah, it's the best you can do. It's just so frustrating because I feel like you go out in nature because you think, okay, well, there might be bears and mountain lions and weather and unpredictable things out here, but at least I'm not, you know, in the throes of the human dangers, which I feel like are so much worse, you know, like being assaulted and attacked and shot and things like that. And I guess yeah, car accidents and like all of yeah. those. Yeah. yeah. And you don't really, yeah, I get to escape that as much anymore. Well, Boulder has some weird crime. I mean, there's not a lot of crime here, but the crime that does happen is always really weird. Yeah. When I read the article, it was like a tall, skinny white guy in a mask that attacked her. And it's just like, why, you know, he's like wearing a mask. <laughs> so he's like, in that regard, trying to be a responsible human being, but then you like randomly go and attack somebody. I'm like, that you could have just, you know, not done that. Well, that's the thing. Like now she can't even make a description because most of his face was covered, you know. But yeah, that is weird. It's like, oh, I care enough to like not want to spread coronavirus, but yeah, but okay. also assault somebody. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't understand people. He that do crimes like that. Yeah. What, what their logic is. Mm -hmm. I guess it's just a need, like a primal, like psycho. Yeah. And predators, you know, it, it's because now we have bars closing at 10, you know, predators used to go out to bars and like prey on drunk women and things like that. And now it's the bars close at 10. So maybe they're trying, they're scattering out to the woods to, prey on women. I don't know. It's just one instant in, you know, instance, not like it's a yeah happening all the time, but you know, yeah, it's a bummer. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah. So how's your week been? Uh, it's like pretty similar. It's, it's been a little heavy. I feel like the energy has been a little heavy this week. Um, everything's just just moving so slow and um, you know just the whole uncertainty of this new the new resurgence the second wave of the first wave of COVID <laughs> so not to be all 
you know, COVID scary, but someone told me, uh, we were over at a, fr a friend's patio like a couple days ago, just like socially distant outside, but the guy was one of the, there's, it was another couple and the guy was saying that every pandemic that has happened in the past, like in 1918, when they had that big flu, it was the second wave that killed everybody. So, and I feel like we're just now, we're just still in the first wave, really. Right. Yeah. That's what all the experts are saying. This is still the first wave and the second wave could be in the fall. And what? usually that's, you know, a lot more people get sick in the fall. The that said, though, I feel like those other pandemics were way deadlier viruses. Like coronavirus is horrible and like nobody should have it young or old because there's all kinds of horrible repercussions. But it's definitely, you know, not as deadly as some of the other world pandemics that have happened. Yeah. At least it's not Ebola. <laughs> Seriously, yeah, this is like pandemic. Uh, this is like the diet coke of pandemics. Well, and when like this first, pandemic light, and in a way, that's kind. Of, I mean, that's a really good thing in a way because it could have helped us put parameters in place and have a system for when something like this happens and it's a really bad virus. Like, in right. a way, but we totally blew it. We just didn't handle it well at all. So if it was actually deadlier probably everyone would just be dead. <laughs> I know we're so lucky. Yeah. So lucky we're getting that. I mean, this is kind of like a rehearsal. I think, you know, eventually something bigger will happen and, um, and hopefully we'll be prepared. We'll put the right protocols in place. Um, yeah. So yeah, heavy energy, but I'm feeling a little more optimistic towards the end of this week. Today's Thursday, feeling, feeling pretty good about um about everything i've been really playing with <clears throat> i've been exercising a lot because i have the time and um been really playing with this this breathing thing that we're going to talk about and so that's been like uh, a nice little little treat <laughs> to do these like yeah. little self experiments um no so how did you hear about nose breathing well i mean a lot of the, the, the pranayama techniques and um, everything I've learned in yoga kind of, it was, it was already set up in my head about the benefits of breathing through your nose and not breathing through your mouth. But um, I watched an interview, actually it was on the Joe Rogan podcast with James Nestor, who wrote the book Breath that just came out. And it was a fabulous interview and I start, I'm starting to read his book and it's great. He puts a lot of science to what these ancient traditions already, you know, have known for thousands of years. And um, he did most of his initial research on free divers and, you know, found that these people who can hold their breath eight, nine, 10 minutes, I think the world record is 12 and a half minutes, hold your breath underwater. Insane. Isn't that insane? There's nothing genetically like different about these people. They're not like uh what was his what's his name? Um Phillips. 
the swimmer. Michael Phelps. Michael Phelps, who has these like anatomically larger lungs than lung capacity than most people. These are like regular people who learn techniques of how to develop that breath retention. Well, I think it's like, it's really exciting that this book is coming out and that people are interested in it because he even James Nestor says in the book that, and I found this to be true also, there's been not a lot of good research and looking at the power of breathing because the scientists that are looking at it, there's nobody that really specializes in it. There's pulmonologists, which are doctors who specialize in lungs, but they're only looking at pathology and how to treat symptoms. Right. Nobody really owns the power of harnessing your breath. And so it's not been well researched, at least in the Western world. Um, but yeah, it's true. You can train your lungs. Like I've had lots of patients tell me, well, I have this and this lung disease. So I just have that. And I just always need medication and I'll never get better. It's like, yes, you may need medication and you may not have, you know, perfect lungs ever, but you can still get better because their doctors have just told them, you just have this and you just live with that. But they don't realize there's so much they can do. So yeah, it's kind of cool that I'm glad. And that book by James Nestor. So we're not getting any kickback for this. We just really like it, but. Have you, uh, you read the whole book? I've, I've read almost all of it. Okay, I've, I just started it, but. Tim like a little over three quarters of the way. But he, the way he writes it is nice too, because it's just, it's good stories with fun characters, but he, he does get into a lot of the science. So, highly mm -hmm. so, you know, just taking one small thing that he talks about, so it's nose, nostril breathing, breathing through your nose and why that's important. And so if I'm, and you could correct me, because you know a little bit more about this than I do, but you actually get more oxygen to your tissues when breathing through your nose because your body releases nitric oxide when you breathe through your nose, which increases the CO2 levels in your blood, which in turn releases oxygen, right? Yeah. So the crazy thing is your body makes nitrous oxide by breathing in through your nose. There's some chemical reaction that happens in your nose that makes this really important chemical and really crucial neurotransmitter that you don't get when you breathe through your mouth. So first of all, you're just missing out on that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's so much filtering of air and cooling and warming of air that happens when you breathe through your nose that is so helpful for your body to be able to absorb oxygen, but there's also sympathetic and parasympathetic fibers in your nose. Right. So and they vary through on each nostril, right? Yeah. The left side is more parasympathetic. So if you have one nose that one nostril that's plugged, you know, you might want to see about, you know, clearing yeah, like a, 
or a deviated septum, you might want to even think about surgery or something uh, to correct that. Well, yeah. Or I don't know. <laughs> deviated septum is, is tough, but the, because surgeries sound really scary for that area because they can really mess you up if they take True. out too much or, or it know. could not work. My mom actually had the deviated septum surgery and she still can't breathe a hundred percent through her, her right nostril. In the book, they talk about these surgeries that made people, they took out too much of the filtering tissue like in bone out of their nose. And these people have this horrible syndrome where every breath, it just feels like they're getting a ton of air just like shoved into their face. And they develop all these other issues associated with it and anxiety. And, and the doctors are just like, well, no, that wouldn't happen. We didn't cause that. But there's a whole bunch of people and there's a society of people that have happened that has happened to. So Oh my God, that sounds awful. I know, I've never let anybody do any kind of surgery on my nose. (laughs) So, yeah. That, so with my self-experiment, I have noticed like my right nostril, like I just wasn't getting as good of airflow through my right nostril. But since I've started really paying attention to breathing through my nose, both with exercise and when I'm just at home, especially when I'm on the computer, um, is that the that side has actually opened up since I've started paying attention to it. And I haven't been really doing, I've been doing a neti pot, I, like the first week I did a neti pot at well, night. Yeah. I mean, there's but, all kinds of things you can do to to clear up your airways. One of them is just breathing through your nose more and it will open up. Yeah. There's another thing called buteco breathing that um, some kind of progressive uh, ENTs will teach their patients this kind of breathing. But basically you take a normal breath in and a normal breath out and then you hold it until you like absolutely have to take a breath in and you make yourself do it through your nose, even if you're super congested. And I actually have tried doing that. And it's really hard because you're just, your brain is like, open your mouth, you idiot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But it does, it clears you up and in a, in a way that your body can sustain. So yeah, if you're somebody who always has like, clogged sinuses and a clogged nose um that might be something for you to look into either james nestor's book or look into buteco breathing but you know always consult your doctor and (laughs) they might tell you you're just crazy (laughs) but yeah but just a disclaimer you know breathing exercises can be problematic for certain people because it is working with your nervous system it can change your heart rate. It can change your blood pressure. It will change your respiratory rate. Um, but yeah, nose breathing is one of the best things. I feel like nobody could be harmed by nose breathing more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's such a great hack. And like, so in my own self-experimentation, so even just concentrating on breathing through my nose, I, I already started getting better airflow through my right side. and. Um, I started to practice this with exercise. So there's been two, I've been trying to practice it with exercise and then 
sleep, which the sleep piece is a little harder, but um, I started out, I, I didn't realize, I went for a run and I realized like I immediately start breathing through my mouth and I breathe through my mouth the entire time. So I was, and it was really difficult for me to close my mouth and breathe through my nose. So I started out with just um, some activities like hiking and trying like easier hikes, not breathing through my mouth and then some more difficult hikes until I felt comfortable. Like, I think I did Sinitas, like breathing through my nose the whole time. I was like, okay, I'm ready for running. I, let's face it, I'm like more of a jogger than a runner, but still I started to do flat um, trails first, just breathing through your nose. And I could not believe my recovery. Like if I went up a hill, I immediately, normally I would be kind of out of breath. I'd be huffing and puffing. Everything changed. Like I was so much more relaxed. My breath was even. I felt like my heart rate came right back down after that little burst of, of energy. It was really well, yeah. cool. Yeah. It's amazing. And you know, the science has shown that when you breathe through your mouth, your body starts going into a stress response and exercise is a stressor. So if you're exercising and your mouth breathing, you're putting one stressor on top of the other and your body will fail sooner and your recovery will be longer. And John Duyard, who started the Ayurvedic school in Albuquerque, he was really interested in nose breathing and he would put these athletes through a long, like high level athletes, cyclists through a long program and some would he would only let them nose breathe and others he just let the mouth breathe. And it was really interesting because the mouth breathers, when they first started, they would, you know, be able to do a lot higher uh, level of output. So, you know, when you're cycling, you make watts. So they mm -hmm. would have power. Wattage. Yeah, mm -hmm. they started out like mouth breathers would have higher wattage but then they kind of plateaued out. So they stopped, they, they went really high, really fast, but then stayed flat or went down a little bit. The nose breathers took longer to get to a higher wattage, but it was like this really steady over time, like over days of training. And then they, they surpassed the people who were mouth breathing and kept going and kept going. They were able to, more gradually, but over time to a greater degree and more consistently be able to improve their performance. And the athletes who've been in these kind of studies have said they would do studies where they would just do one bout of, you know, you have to do this long at this effort and breathe through your mouth or do the same thing, breathe through your nose. And the ones who breathe through their nose, their heart rates and their um, blood pressure and everything was so much better at the end. And they had actually better times, a lot of them. And But what the athletes said afterwards was, I'm never mouth breathing again. I felt so much better just breathing through my nose. I can't believe I've been mouth breathing my whole life. So, I mean, there have definitely been times where I'm pushing myself, you're, you know, like Sunita's is a hard hike. And if you're trying to go up there fast, it's so tempting to open your mouth. But when you get used to nose breathing, it doesn't feel good. Like you think mm -hmm. it's going to feel great if you're just like, oh, if I just breathe through my mouth, it's going to be so great. But it feels icky. 
Mm-hmm. And I've noticed like when running, I pretty much always run with my mouth closed. And if I have, if I get to a point where I'm running and I need to open my mouth, I'll just slow down so that I can keep my mouth closed because I know that that I'm overshooting, you know, I'm overtraining when I feel like I need to open my mouth. And I mean, I feel like that works for me. Um, That's what I did. I would just walk. Like if I felt like I was going to need to breathe through my mouth, I would just walk or slow down. And then. Yeah. And I've even done like hill repeats and sprints with breathing through my nose. And at first I was really slow, but I think I'm getting faster you know, more than I have ever been when I was breathing through my mouth, because that's just my max. Like I max Mm -hmm. out at work and nose breathe, but that maximum is steadily getting higher. Whereas when I was mouth breathing, I felt like it would always kind of just stay the same. Yeah. It's really interesting. This stuff is so cool. Um, I started reading this other book called Swara Yoga. Um, Around the same time, it was this really interesting, like synchronicity. And swara yoga has to do with the, like the swara is the, the, the side that the breath comes in, that the, the breath flows through. So either the left nostril or the right nostril, or when both nostrils are open. So it, um, that's, that's the swara. And when it basically is this whole, a lot of it's just based on nadi shodana or like alternate nostril breathing but it's also a way uh, to really live your life. So there's basically things that, certain things you should do when your right nostril is active and certain things you should do when your left nostril is active and Mm. timing that. So when the right nostril is active, you know, you have an increase in cortisol, increase in blood blood pressure. Um, That's the sun, um, the sun, side right yeah <laughs> so you the got your side yeah the the pingala yeah. so the nadi it's the the sun sun nadi i guess that would be and then the the left side is going to stimulate more of your parasympathetic your your moon side and when both nostrils are active that's actually the best time for meditation so it it, it goes into the kind of the exploring what activities you should do and no I don't think anyone can totally live their life that way right now just because of how busy we are it's like they're saying like you shouldn't you shouldn't push hard doing work when your left nostril is more active and so yeah. the nostril, active nostril will change well that, an hour. that's interesting because I feel like your nostril should change side to side mm-hmm. like that that would be a sign of a healthy system that's able to oscillate and reciprocate but many people are stuck on one side for right. whatever reason there's so many different reasons you get stuck but I, I imagine that a lot of people are always experiencing one side for most of the time versus like this book sounds like it's talking about somebody who goes back and forth each hour. That to me is a sign of like good health and balance. Right. Right. And they, but, they actually say that if you're bored, if you're 
dominant more on one side that that is a sign of, of dis-ease in the body and working with different pranayama uh, practices like Nadi Shodana can help to to even that out so that you do get that normal switch. I think it's like every 60 to 90 minutes or something, the dominant nostril switches and that's yeah. normal. Yeah, Nadi Shodana is a really good technique I think for balancing that if you don't if you don't go back and forth back and forth and you I've had some patients where I've taught them that alternate nostril breathing and they just become this different person they just start zooming all over the place or they just feel like so chilled out and you've just given them that ability to go back and forth back and forth back and forth that you don't even know that you're missing mm-hmm and that yeah. ability to to breathe slower, like to get that low and slow breath, which you do get, like if you're exercising, breathing only through your nose, you're getting that kind of low and slow continuous breath, you know, versus like a mouth breath, which is closer to like a hyperventilation type breath. It's just really interesting because this is, you know, Sorry, yoga is thousands of years old. And here I just picked up this book and then the James Nestor book at the same time. And it's basically going over the, the same things. It's just pretty cool. Yeah, that is cool. Um, so have you noticed that you sleep with your mouth closed or open? Dude, totally like sleeping with my mouth open most of the time and now when I wake up because I'll usually wake up two or three times a night I consciously close my mouth I'm gonna keep and I say to myself I'm gonna keep my mouth closed and over the last couple of weeks I have been waking up and my mouth is closed so something's I don't know if it's helping that I'm doing the work during the day to open up my nostrils and also the intention before I go to sleep or if I wake up that I'm going to keep my mouth shut. You know, in the book, I think he mentions taping your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't tried that yet. Um, I do have some K-tape. I could, I'm just afraid I'm going to get the little. <laughs> yeah, I think he said to just use that like surgical tape. Mm -hmm. and like one tiny piece just across the front of your lips. But yeah, I've never done that. I, I don't sleep with my mouth open though. So yeah, I've never had to deal with that or that I know of. My husband says I don't. And I, when I wake up, it's closed. But that is, if you're going to do nostril breathing, like nostril breathing while you sleep is so important. Because if you breathe through your mouth a lot of the muscles that kind of hold your airways open and let you breathe and swallow and do all the things a human needs to do kind of get weak and collapse. And that's, and that's what leads to sleep apnea, right? Yep. Sleep apnea, snoring. Um, and nose breathing, even just nose breathing starts to restore that because humans, you know, when we came up off the ground and started walking upright and our brains started getting bigger to make space for our brains, our bodies kind of shoved our airways further down. So all other primates have their airways like more in their face. 
So they don't get breathing issues. They don't get dental issues. They don't get snoring. Right. And our mouths have gotten smaller too, right? Oh yeah. And our palates have gotten, you know, crooked teeth and stuff is, I mean, there's breathing and then there's chewing, like going back and forth, side to side, chewing side to side, back and forth. Some people only ever chew on one side. Some people grind their teeth because they're looking for that stability that they don't have anymore. So there's a lot going on in the whole face region. Um, so I guess this transitions kind of nicely into mewing. Mm-hmm. Well, mewing, not like cat mewing, but there's this, um, he's a doctor of, I don't think he's a doctor of dentistry. I know his father was like a really famous dentist who was focused on um, some of this breathing and facial structure stuff. But anyway, it's this guy, Mike Mew, M-E-W, and you can look him up and he has a ton of YouTube videos. But he basically is a proponent of the way you hold your face, the way you hold your tongue changes your face, like the shape of your face, which makes complete sense to me because, you know, all your jaw muscles attached to your jaw and your neck and your tongue is like one of the key players there. And all those muscles kind of pull on the bone in different ways. But when we see that forward head posture with the jaw kind of moving back, that's like, quote unquote, looks like a weak jaw. But when you do this mewing exercise over time, your jaw position kind of changes. And there's all these before and after pictures of people who have done it. Now it takes like months or years Mm -hmm. doing this. But other than just the aesthetic part of it, like, your cheekbones get higher. Everything looks, looks more desirable, quote unquote, because that's a healthy face. You know, that's a mm-hmm. mouth that chews. That's a tongue that does its job. That's an airway that functions. Looks good. Um, but other than that, you know, I think having that airway capacity, having that ability to go side to side, having that ability to find stability in places other than clenching your teeth. Because Grinding your teeth is just looking for stability in your mouth when you should be finding stability on the floor. Does that make right. sense? Not right. Really. Uh, well, I'm, I'm a chronic nighttime clencher. I used to clench during the day as well. And honestly, I've noticed too, just in the last couple of weeks with breathing through my nose, I'm not clenching my teeth as much. Now I haven't tried. So what I haven't tried mewing, but what exactly is the technique? Okay, so I'm going to try and describe it to you, but I'm just, I'm going to say look on YouTube because it's really hard to describe. But basically, you want to get your tongue to the roof of your mouth and as much of your tongue to the roof of your mouth as possible. So you start by putting the tip of your tongue behind your front teeth, but not right behind your front teeth. If you go a little bit behind your front teeth, there's a little ridge there. And you try and put your tongue... the tip of your tongue on that ridge and the rest of your tongue flat on the roof of your mouth. Now, this is something I have taught to my patients for years, just doing that for their breathing exercises or any exercise. Get your tongue up there. with the deep neck flexor activation too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Because that's just, that's just good airway management. Mewing takes this a step further and he wants you to get the back of your tongue also 
to the roof of your mouth. So when you're first learning this, it almost sounds like you're like going to throw up or like you're dry heaving because you're trying to get the tip of that tongue behind the ridge behind your front, right at the ridge behind your front teeth. And then you kind of suction the rest of your tongue to the roof of your mouth. So it like contours the roof of the mouth. It's like completely covering the roof of the mouth all the way to the back of your tongue. And some people have never felt the back of their tongue touch the roof of their mouth. And you kind of have to almost like swallow the air that makes a pocket between the tongue and the roof of your mouth. So yeah, just put your tongue behind that at that ridge and then try and just think about just like suctioning the rest of your tongue all the way to the back. It's hard. Mm-hmm. But I can feel it here and but you kind of get, once you do it a lot, you kind of can just do it quickly. You don't have to try so hard. So I've been trying to do that a lot. And I've definitely felt muscles in my face getting tired. Not like that clenchy sort of pain, but definitely muscles that I haven't worked working. Um, and I have, apart? Sorry, are your teeth apart? Oh, sorry. Your molars are lightly touching. Okay. Are you doing it? <laughs> I think so. I'm trying. Yeah, it's pretty hard, but I, I kind of like how it feels. And I have noticed sometimes if I go for a longer run and I'm getting kind of fatigued, you know, my core doesn't, it's harder for me to like be stable and I'll start to get like hip pain or knee pain because I'm just kind of sloppy. But if I can get my tongue to the roof of my mouth, it kind of like Chink, 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 like the rest of my body kind of aligns down the chain. Mm. It feels like. So it's definitely doing something for your, you know, all your diaphragms, your thoracic diaphragm, your pelvic diaphragm, your cranium, uh, the arches of your feet. You know, think about mm -hmm. all those little diaphragms like rounding and doming. And so I don't know. I think it's I think it's pretty cool, but it may not be right for everybody because some people's faces do have like some torsion in them. Or if you try and touch your teeth, you might just feel one side and not the other. Mm -hmm. um, that means there's something else going on. So just be careful with that. If that's you. Mm. So that would, that would warrant a trip to the dentist. If you're, if you oh. notice that one side is not the dentist. Well, so th that's what, I don't know. This is my personal bias, but a dentist is only looking at you from the neck up. But Maybe Mark, Mark Barnes. No, no, I, not even. <laughs> well, like if the, if you go to a dentist and you say EMJ dentist, my teeth don't touch on one side, mm -hmm. and they don't tell you to look at the rest of your body first. Then I would. That's walk true. Because if the, if something is skew underneath your head, that's going to make your jaw skew. So at least line up the rest of your body. And then if you're still off, talk to a dentist. And if the dentist, I mean, this is my personal bias, but if they want to give you an upper splint, I would, you know, second guess that because there's bones in your face that need to move. And there's only one bone in your jaw. So you can put a splint down there. But if you put a splint at the top, you're like limiting that expansion. Well, I might try this because my dentist wanted to just um, change my bite. He wanted to shave down my yeah, molars. And I was like, no, 
if you're already skew and he shaves down those molars on the side that you're touching and your body's like trying to touch there to stabilize, you're going to clench there more and then they're going to have to shave it more. You clench there more, shave it more. Yeah. They're not solving the problem. Right, right. Just making, <laughs> making it better. The symptom, for yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. problematic. Well, I, I mean, I was surprised how much just the breathing correction has helped me. And I, I mean, it's not like, I don't know about breathing. I, I practice a lot of, I practice breathing exercises every day because of, I do a lot of yoga, but just doing this where it's more, I'm not just taking five, 10 minutes. This is something that's going on throughout the day has already made a big difference. I can feel in my jaw and clenching. Um, so I, I I'm going to, so how, how often would you, would, would you give mewing to a patient if you, um, <laughs> I don't know if I would give specific mewing. I definitely do tongue to roof of mouth a lot. I mean, that's just pretty standard for me because that's where your tongue needs to go. Mm -hmm. Um, but mewing, I think it's kind of hard to teach. And I, I think a lot of my patients are at a level where that would be too much. Um, maybe if somebody was farther along, I would teach that, but um, yeah, so I don't know. I'm just kind of experimenting it w with myself for now, but it is, it's a posture. So it's something that you have to do like all the time mm -hmm. and it's hard to remember to do it all the time. So people on YouTube have all these different ways of reminding themselves to keep doing it. And, and there's all these people who do it for, for looking more handsome, you know, cause it'll give you a more chiseled just yeah. jawline mm -hmm. and higher cheekbones. Like who doesn't want that? Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, you have to really just do it a lot. When you're taking the back of your tongue to the roof of your mouth, it does feel like it's going to close off the airway. Even if I try to breathe through, am I doing it wrong? It's like the back no, of my if you're breathing through your nose, it shouldn't close off your airway. Still breathing through my nose, but I guess I, I guess I can still breathe. It's just very, there's not, not a lot of room. It feels like the airway is constricted a little bit. So I'm probably doing it incorrectly. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's why I wouldn't want to really try and teach it because I think there's, a lot that makes it challenging. And if you have a more forward head posture, you might be breathing by opening that passageway. So you might be compensating to get right. air in. And if you take away that compensation, you'll feel like you can't breathe. <laughs> so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot going on with airway and in this whole facial region that it's complex, you know, it's not cut and dry, but I think at the very least, breathing through your nose is one of the best things you can do for yourself if you're not already. And now you'll notice like how so many people mouth breathe. Like I, when I watch TV now, I just noticed that there are so many mouth breathers. <laughs> and that's a big joke, right? Because mouth breathers, that's like, I don't know if you saw Stranger Things, but She's like mouth breathe. Like that's an insult to someone because it insults their intelligent. Mouth breathers are supposed to be like 
people with <laughs> less intelligence. And it makes sense because they're not getting oxygen to their brain. So of course they're not gonna be cognitively a little bit slower. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can see that. <laughs> oh, one extra thing from the James Nestor book that I thought was really interesting um, because I deal more with pelvic floor, but the tissue lining the nasal cavity is actually the same contractile tissue in the genitals. Oh yeah. That part was really crazy. And how he was saying that your nose will also kind of get excited when you, you get wet. excited. Yeah. <laughs> well, and in yoga, you know, the muladhara root chakra is associated with the sense of smell. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Genital tissue, nasal cap. It's just, yeah, really fascinating, fascinating stuff, our bodies. Yeah, and I'm glad that people now like James Nestor and stuff are putting out saying things in the mainstream that are like, yes, your face matters to every other part of your body. You know, you can't separate everything and just treat from the neck up or from the foot down. It's like everything else is going to be affected. Um, and I think in our way of medicine right now, it's just like, oh, this just your lungs just function in isolation. No, they don't. <laughs> you can't no, just be a lung doctor. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that this kind of stuff is coming out. Yeah, it's really cool. It's really interesting. And yeah, it's, it's very basic things that it can change people's lives. You know, these are very basic exercises. Oh, you froze. The pause it. Can you hear me? And we're back. And sorry about that, folks. We had a little technical difficulty with our Zoom. Anyways. Um, so I think we're about to the point anyways where we're going to wrap it up. Yeah. So I think this was a, a fun talk for me. I'm always into the breathing stuff. I love this stuff. I think it's great. Oh, I remember what I was saying. I was saying about how, how easy these things are to implement into your life and they make profound changes. Yeah. All you have to do is just close your mouth. <laughs> Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth, please, for your own benefit. <laughs> well, um, yeah, we'll put uh, a link to James Nestor's book in the show notes. And um, anything else, maybe I'll put in that Swari Yoga for you yogis and yoginis out there. If you want to learn um, the ancient science of tantric brain breathing what the subtitle is sounds pretty good <laughs> and we'll be back next week with another surprise uh topic yeah <laughs> okay well i'm christine by surprise topic we just mean that we haven't decided yet <laughs> yeah we don't know what we're gonna no, do we just don't you know. have 
If you have any ideas for topics, please uh, send us an email to gettingweirdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, any comments, any stories you want to share, we'll share them on air. Uh, and then, yeah, if you have any ideas you want to see us uh, try out, experiment with something, let us know. Yeah, please send us an email. We want to hear from you. Gettingweirdpodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Daria. I'm Christine. Reminding you to get a little weird. Get very weird. How about? <laughs> get very weird. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.